millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another edition of DTNS Labs Interview. I'm Tom Merritt. Very happy to be joined today by David Malky, author of Wondermark. David, thanks for joining us. Tom, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for creating Wondermark, too. I think I discovered the webcomic, if people are unfamiliar, uh, probably through Boing Boing a long time ago. Uh, and it uh, it makes me laugh, man. Thank you for doing it. Well, I'm glad that you like it. You've been a longtime reader, and I appreciate all your support over the years. And Corey over at Boing Boing has been a big booster uh, as well, and I'm very grateful for that. And back in the day when blogs mattered, that was very important <laughs> yeah. uh, to have a link like that from a blog. <laughs> yeah, it really uh, was. So I'm glad that when it counted, that he was there and you were there and we all have are here now. Yeah, it was a massive triangle of awesomeness uh, that has perpetuated to this very day. If people are unfamiliar with Wondermark, uh, I, I will let you describe it. What, 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 how would you tell people about your comic? So it's a, it's a newspaper-style comic strip, which is a comparison that has less and less valence every year. And, uh, but it's sort of you know the rectangular kind of format comic strip typically. Um, and... Uh, it's like the far side where it's different every time. There's no, usually there's no con- consistent uh, mm-hmm. characters or storylines uh, with a few notable exceptions. But um, the, the unique thing about it is that it's a collage strip, which means it's made using illustrations that I, not the ones that I draw, but rather il- illustrations that I find in old books. So Victorian era, Edwardian era books, magazines, uh, storybooks, catalogs. I take the illustrations and I scan them and I take them apart in Photoshop and I put them together in different ways and turn them into comics. So, I mean, this, <clears throat> this is something that uh, was was very, I feel like the technique sort of arises somewhat out of the zine culture. I remember in the 90s, uh, I, I made zines. I was one of those people. And that was often a thing you'd do. You'd find something, you'd clip it out, you'd, you'd Xerox it or copy it back in the day. So did, did you take your inspiration from that? Did you come out of that at all? Or was this just you applying this yourself? You know, I feel like a lot of my if it's funny sometimes, and I don't know if you have found this to be true as well, but you look back uh, at your life in retrospect and you see the seeds of the thing that you did mm. in ways you couldn't identify earlier. Uh, so like as a kid, I was like tracing peanuts, like by putting the newspaper up against a window and, um, you know, cutting and pasting them together to make new storylines. And uh, and later on, I went into work in movie trailers, which is essentially the same thing it's just like <laughs> yeah. taking cu- cutting things apart and putting them together in a different way and so i feel like that that must be part of my personality somewhere i didn't specifically uh participate in the zine culture i um i was too much of a like 
I, I was about to say too much of a nerd. I think you have to be kind of a nerd to be uh, a, a zinester, but maybe I was too much of a dork to like not even be that into <laughs> anything social. Um, but I also feel like this, if I was inspired by anything, it's probably the cultural osmosis of remixing culture in general, which is how culture progresses. And if you look back at, you know, um, even this per- exact particular material I'm using, which is the ephemera of the late 1800s, typically, um, you know, people have been using that exact uh material in different ways for a hundred years. Yeah. I I think this is a a really good point as far as technology goes. I mean, there's very much the obviousness of, oh, well, these days with the web, you can make your own comic and distribute it. uh, Whereas before you had to convince someone to print it in their publication. Uh, But, but even the technology of being able to just scan something to, to remix, to, to take old things and, and modify them is easier in a way that it wouldn't have been even 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I remember the first scanner I ever used uh, was at, uh, I guess it was at school. It must have been seventh or eighth grade. And um, we scanned a, a, a picture from a magazine and then we brought it in as like a one color bitmap into whatever paint program. And you could like erase with like the big square eraser and like retype something over some portion of it. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, now we have power. We have control over this. And you know, and this is not to say that um, it was our first experience. I say me and like my friends uh, experience with remixing things because my parents had a store and they had an office in the store and in the office was a, a typewriter and a copy machine. And I made great use of those as a child to like make little card games or write little, you know, books and uh, copy photos from, you know, whatever airplane magazine and, you know, draw my own you know, cool adventures, uh, based on those. So, uh, I guess if I had been one generation older, I must've, I, I would have needed a mimeograph. Yeah. And, a and before that, yeah. yeah, before that, you know, maybe it was, it was, uh, it would have been impossible. So I'm if glad your, I your parents had been pamphleteers. Perhaps you could have used their crank press. Or... <laughs> exactly. I could have gone down in the basement, got ink under my fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well that, that's interesting too, because I remember doing similar sort of things, um, for my fantasy baseball league in high school where I would, I would create newsletters for that, but I'd have to go down to the print shop and spend 15 cents a page. So it really was a break on, on how much I wanted to do that. It was a Uh, limiter. Yeah. 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 So you have, you having access to those tools, certainly, I don't know if it was a Cambrian explosion of creativity for you, but it sounds like it might've been. Well, um, in, in the fifth grade, uh, we had a, a currency in class and you could earn, you can earn dollars like, you know, in class dollars for doing your homework or whatever. And, uh, there were different denominations of dollars that were printed in different colors of ink on the school ditto machine. And the, the lowest denomination, the half dollar was printed just in regular black ink. And it took me about 45 seconds before I realized I could counterfeit those. (laughs) And so I took uh, I took some of those home and I started running them off on the copier. And then if the teacher ever asked why I had so many half dollars, I just had this story concocted about how I just I at one point I wanted to feel like I had a big wad. So I just I always asked for half dollars instead of other denominations. Uh-huh. So now I've got all these. Anyway, my mom walked in on me once saying, um, you know, she, she said, are you are you forging money? <laughs> and I said, no, mom, of course not. And then. 
you know, I had the story about how the teacher knew I had a copier. So she was just asking me to help and, you know, run some off at home. But in my mind, it was like, no, mom, I'm not forging. I'm counterfeiting. Yes, you're using entirely the wrong <laughs> Therefore, I can legally say no to you right now. Yeah, exactly. So, if, mom, if you, if you hear this, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, if you had asked the right question and back in <laughs> 1989, like it might have had a different outcome. So how, how did you go from, from the, the copy machine uh, to the internet machine and, 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 and scanning and, and creating this? I, I'm trying not to ask you how do you get your ideas, but, but <laughs> if, you can, if you can sort of maybe give us an idea of the evolution of, that led to Wondermark. Well, I've I've always been a comic strip fan. Like I was one of the kids that read the paper, uh, you know, every Sunday with you know the funny section. And um, I feel like my generation grew up on and Calvin and Hobbes and The Far Side and and you know these names that you hear a lot. And Peanuts was big in my house because uh, we had all those little paperbacks uh, from like the '60s. Oh yeah. And um, so I internalized that vernacular from a very young age. And I was always a, a, like an artist and you know, I was always doodling and everything. And I wanted to do a comic strip. And um, I think every time I tell the story of the origin, I try and make it different so nobody knows the true story. But um, the the sort of the short version is I happened across a book somehow of – of uh, um, it was a collected magazine from the late 1800s and you know you see these engravings and woodcuts from the pre-photography era where every single possible subject you ever needed to be illustrated had to be drawn by somebody yeah and so you've got all these drawings of people and animals and you know, buildings and all sorts of things and um and i thought well i wonder if you could just use these instead of having to draw something like would it be i mean it would be easier in some sense and of course, as I learned very quickly, it was also very limiting in in a a, a related sense, um, because you are stuck with what you have rather yeah. than what you just draw. Uh, and so I had to develop over time, you know, techniques for sort of you know manipulation and trying to make it sort of my own through transformation. But the initial impulse was like, I wonder if I can do this, and it turns out I I could. Like the answer was yes, and so I just did it a lot, and. Um, and I realized, and I, as I mentioned before, I'm certainly not the first person to ever try and, you know, make a collage. But uh, this particular comic strip, I think, felt somewhat distinctive. And I, I realized that while I like to draw, I, I could be the millionth best cartoonist in the world or the best person at this thing. Mm -hmm. And so I just did this thing a lot. Did it sounds to me like you didn't have the consideration of avoiding copyright restrictions. It was just that you happened upon something that rarely in this world is in the public domain. Well, I, I mean, that certainly was a, a factor because I knew that if it was not in the public domain, I wouldn't be able to do anything with it, you know, like unless it was something like commercial clip art, which, you know, someone like Ryan North has made great hay out of uh, with dinosaur comics. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's also a thing, but um, I think it was the combination of availability, both in a legal sense and in a, I had the book in front of me sense. And also, the work itself is evocative. Like there's something about dinosaur comics and Ryan is a great friend and I'm a big fan, but there's something about the banality of it that is, is the point. Mm -hmm. Whereas with, with Wondermark, I feel like the intricacy of these, you know, master craftsman engravings 
adds a different quality to it. Like it, it makes my work look better, even though I'm not the guy who actually drew it. Like I, I gain some like credibility by association because it just looks cool. Well, and what, so I think leaning into that was, was, was deliberate. Part, part of one of the big elements of humor is the surprise, right? The unexpected. And so having these, you know, uh, Victorian ladies in their, in their, uh, trussed up dresses and, and, and men on unicycles, saying things that those sorts of people would have never said is, is sort of a, a natural platform, which you have turned into an art form. I'm not saying that it, like anybody can do it, but, but that certainly is, is one of the underlying elements, it seems to me. Well, that's one of the things that I, I appreciate about this material is that it can lend itself to that or not. And, mm-hmm. and as, as the person behind it, like, I don't know how much the anachronism is still surprising to a reader. Sure. I think, I, I mean, I would say, I, I would presume if you read a bunch of Wondermark, the anachronism falls away pretty quickly. Um, you know, that surprise that you mentioned, uh, because you just get into the rhythm of it. And, and I would, you know, hasten to add canonically Wondermark is set in the modern day. It's just, everyone has really good fashion sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that being said, you can have a character say, you know, Zounds, you know, what are you, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not even going to imitate it. But you can you can have um, something that does not seem of the modern day and it still fits because you've never really established what this is, this universe. It's always something slightly different from the previous iteration. And then that itself is a surprise, not just the anachronism, but the fact that oh, this time it is anachronism, and this time it's not anachronism, adds an additional layer of surprise. Yeah, as, as a longtime reader, I can say that while I expect it, it's not a you know, literal surprise, it's still a fun tension that, that comes out that I enjoy. And the fact that, that you, you play within the style and then, then will venture out kind of keeps that fresh. Uh, I, I, I love that about the, the comic. Well, I appreciate that. And and I think keeping it fresh is is what I'm trying to do, having done it now for 15 years. It's like there has to be something more to it progressively. Otherwise, I get bored with it. And I feel like if you look back at the early years of, of the strip, you know, I think there's a couple good jokes in there. I like to think that it's sort of progressed in, in terms of, you know, my, my proficiency at joke writing since then. But the, just the structure of, of it was much more like set up punchline, set up punchline, non sequitur, non sequitur. And if I was just writing those still, I mean, I, to be honest, it would probably be easier, but I feel like I want to be beyond that by, at this point. And so both in terms of the visual complexity and the sort of thematic and writing, you know, abstractions that go into it, I'm continually trying to sort of do something that still interests me. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and I also feel like, you know, you have people in top hats but then you can also throw in like a revolutionary war guy in there and they're just in the same room. Like there's no acknowledgement of that. <laughs> I, you know, at one point I had, I had the, uh, the idea to do a joke where there's a bunch of 1800s guys and they're like, ah, look at those hipsters. And they're dressed like 1700s guys. Uh-huh. But then I realized nobody would get it because <laughs> everyone just dresses without, however, in Wondermark, there's no concession to like any sort of cultural consistency so that sort of joke is one that probably doesn't land unless you were to call it out yeah yeah you'd have to call it out i guess you're right um well that one one half of of the equation of any uh, successful long 
standing piece of art is 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 that like uh, the continued creative challenge to keep it fresh the other half is of course getting the money to continue it uh and that is something that i know you've you've tried lots of the different offerings on the internet over the years uh from from direct support to kickstarters etc um you know sort of a wide-ranging question here but what have you learned in doing this for so long? Because, you know, people kind of the the short way to think about the Internet is like, oh, right, you just ask people for money on the Internet and they give it to you. But it's not as easy as that. Yeah. And I feel like every subsequent year that goes by, I'm sort of less and less sure of the accepted wisdom about it. Um, I think the one thing that is can, that is true and consistent always is the the virtue of being nimble. Um, because Kickstarter is around now and Kickstarter, depending on who you ask, maybe sort of on a downswing, mm-hmm. um, Patreon is something that's come up in the last couple of years that people are using as, as you know, well, mm-hmm. and, um, but before that, you know, it was, it was an advertising market on the internet that largely does not exist now, or at least not in the same way. Um, there are other websites that come and go, um, there were people who tried to do Patreon style patronage in the past without much success. Uh, Akewood had a thing called asset bar for a while that a couple people tried to use. That was essentially a membership platform like Patreon, but never was adopted widely. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned, like my, my business has largely turned on, uh, sales of merchandise in as direct a manner as possible because that's where the margins are. But that comes with an enormous amount of like labor and capital investment. And you have to have you know, infrastructure to support that. You have to have a shipping setup. If you're going to be shipping stuff, you have to have stuff to, you know, it's stuff has to be stored. Stuff has to be, it's a whole business on its own. You know, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a whole deal. Yeah. And so I got into it. I mean, as I mentioned before, I worked in, in trailers and so I had a job as I was just kind of doing the comic and I, I did the comic for years before I kind of knew what web comics were. I had read, you know, a couple, uh, in those early days. Um, but this is pre social media, of course. And it was forums really that sort of were the way that people would connect with one another. And so I started to kind of meet some people in the, in the, in the, in that field and, you know, fans who would be on the forums would sort of, um, you know, congregate. And I was a fan of, of other people's work. And so we would participate in sort of a social way. And then we would go to conventions and, uh, comic, uh, comic book conventions slash small press conventions slash that sort of, you know, large blurry category yeah. of, of event fan type uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And some of it was craft fairs and some of it was, you know, book festivals and whatever. I started going to those in 2006. The first one was in New York in 2006. And then, that's become a mainstay over the years and, you know, in, in varying degrees. One year I would do 12 and I'm down to like four now, four big ones, uh, just because of the time and investment. But, you know, people would come and they would discover your work there and they would buy books and they would buy um, – my, I'm big into making things, so stickers and, and now it's like pins, but back then it would be um, – greeting cards and posters and you know t-shirts and things like that so just things that people might like even if they'd never heard of my work and then maybe that's an entree into the work and i have flyers i would pass out and so on so the books and the and things like uh art prints are the work itself and then everything else this larger universe of spin-off material whether it's stickers or t-shirts or posters or calendars or whatever it is they exist in the same voice and universe of the work but it's not a comic 
it's just something related to the same sensibility that gives birth to the comic. So hopefully you'll like it as as well. And and being willing to be broad in that way, I think, has been valuable to me because some people are really into the idea of being a cartoonist, you know, capital C in Charles Schultz. You know, right. I'm going to die of my drawing board and, you know, God bless them. But um, I think maybe because Wondermark is not a traditional comic strip in. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new custom spray five in one gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Some senses means that I never felt shackled to like, I guess I just got to make more books until people keep buying books. And, you know, it was much more about like, well, if you like my sensibility in the comic, you might like this you know, sticker that doesn't relate to the comic really, but the sense of humor is the same. Yeah. And, and I have found that to be largely the case. And so then the second half of that has to do with, of course, attracting an audience. And that is just in some ways, just a virtue of time and the virtue of starting when there were not that many web comics and, um, and gaining an audience over the years and, you know, getting linked up on boing boing and so on. Um, and if somebody asked me how to do it today, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I really yeah. don't. And there's uh, not, there's not a single answer to it. I don't think. Uh, well, no, there isn't. And I, and that's definitely, uh, I, I think it would be fair to call that an advantage, but it is also a difficulty. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is you, you can grind it out and grind it out, and but once you get your audience, they a core of them anyway tends to stick around. I mean, userfriendly.org has not put out a comic in, I don't know, 10 years, and there's still people participating in the user-friendly forum because that's their community. Well, yeah, it's turned into a community. And I think that's where things like social media are a double-edged sword because that, I mean, when Google killed Google Reader, 
I mean, I lost 40% of my subscribers. Mm-hmm. And and some of those people may have picked the comic back up on some other method sure. or on I an did. email list or yeah. whatever. But man, a lot of them, you know, whenever you introduce a speed bump, you get some attrition. Yeah. And so that's where things like Facebook algorithms that don't show people every post that you make unless you pay them are, you know, I think in a large sense damaging to what we would hope would be this ideal way of uh, accumulating an audience over time. Um, but you also have to be everywhere. You have to be on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, an email list and people still use RSS and people still come to a website, you know, on a dot com, even though that's, I guess that somebody must because I'm, you know, <laughs> people still visit the website somehow. Yeah. Um, so I, you just have to be where they are. And I think the fact that the ad market is no longer there for websites, I think is good because it means our artists in particular are less afraid of just disseminating their work as widely as possible on social media such that they try and just get more eyeballs on it. And I don't know why everybody doesn't do this, but I put my URL and, you know, on the file. And mm-hmm. so if someone wants more of it, they can find it pretty easily. Some comic artists feel very like sheepish about that for some reason. Yeah. Um, but Wondermark also has the advantage of being very distinctive looking. So I think people who see it and who come to know it, they start to recognize it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the calendar uh, as, as your ex- part of your extended universe. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite things that you do. And, and it's one of the most interesting things you do because I, I love how you document every year how, how it comes together and the different technologies and screen printing and such that, that you experiment with. Well, and the calendar in particular is a, is an interesting project because it's something that is by design limited because it's a calendar and you can only sell a calendar for like a month. Um, and so the I wanted to make a calendar and I wanted to make something that felt like a premium product. And so those two ideas sort of match well. And as you mentioned, it started out being a screen printed thing and we do it now, you know, in, in, in different ways, you know, every couple of years it seems to change somewhat. But it's a it's a thing that people like you and who, for which I'm grateful look forward to every year. And so that's just one more leg under the stool of like, well, this is like a, this is a rock in the stream of the year that yeah. is always going to happen. And then I'm can, I can plan certain, you know, other projects and income streams sort of based on that. And that's something I had to build up. I mean, this is now, this is going to be the 12th year when it goes on sale this year. Okay. And, and people who get it every year are sort of a big part of my, um, like the way that this thing sustains. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So what are you doing now uh, as part of this strategy that we've been discussing? Like where, where are we now? I know you have a Kickstarter going on. Right. So right now, um, as much as I talked before about how books are not the only thing, uh, this, I'm doing a book and <laughs> they are um, a thing though. They, they are, they're yeah. definitely one of the things. And I had done a couple hardcover books uh, in years past with dark horse comics and then um, that kind of that they, they had a whole line of web comics that I don't think did well for them because they're not really a web comics understanding publisher. Um, but I'm I'm coming back to that series that began with them with a new volume, and uh, it's been a while that, since I've done a new book. So this particular collection is uh, is for comics from a few years ago that we're sort of picking up chronologically in the archive, and uh, but it's got some real like Wondermark classics in my opinion. And it's on Kickstarter right now through the end of October. We've already hit our funding goal, uh, so the the book will happen. Uh, we are now doing stretch goals, and all the stretch goals are the same, which is that we just add more pages to the book because we got a lot of backlog to get through. So I'm hoping that by the time you know we get the project over, the book will be larger than I had 
initially launched it with, and then we can just fit more comics in the same book for the same price. The more you back, the more you get. That's right. That's exactly. <laughs> uh, if people want to find it easily, uh, how should they look for it? Well, so the comic is at wondermark.com, and then you, there's links on there, obviously. Or if you want to jump directly to the Kickstarter, just wondermark.com slash book. Slash book. Oh, that's perfect. Easy to remember. We'll also put it on the website for those people who still like to go to websites as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's great. One last question before we, we will finish up. Although, wait, hold on. Two last questions. I, yeah, yeah. You also, as many as you want. As uh, many thank as you. Want. Uh, you also have a, an interesting giveaway that you're doing in, right now as well. Well, yeah. So um, with the Wondermark books in particular, uh, what I like to do is create some sort of value add where even if you've read the comics on the website, you still get something different from the book. I think the book is actually the superior way to read the comic. So I do a lot of bonus content. I do a lot of sort of uh, follow-up jokes that sort of like live in the universe of individual comics, like what happened next and things like that. And so um, in order to give you a sense, I don't want to give away what that stuff will be in the new book because I want it to be surprising when you read it. Mm -hmm. However, I want you to get a sense of what that kind of is like. And so if you go to the Kickstarter page, uh, just wondermark.com slash book, then you'll see a, a download link for my last book as a PDF. You can just download it for free. And I mean, I hope it makes you want to back the project. But even if you don't, I mean, that's fine. I just want to get that book into people's hands so they can get a sense of the Wondermark, the comic, and then what the books are like in particular. So you don't even have to back. You just you just download it. Just download it. That's I mean – Again, like I hope you back, but, uh, but <laughs> yeah, you, of course it, it is, it is a, it is a, it is a thank you from me for visiting the page. Yeah. It's no obligation. You go, you click, you download, you read, and then you feel the impulse to back naturally. Right. That, now you feel obligated to me for having given <laughs> you this thing and you are just, you know, you, you get the telltale heart, you know, underneath your floorboards right, right. until you go and you click the back button, which will be live until the end of the month. You just see that PDF staring at you every day. <laughs> Right. Um, On your desktop. The last question I have to ask is, is really just a, a personal question uh, because I'm really enjoying. I know you don't usually do running gags unless you're making running gag into a joke as you did recently. But uh, the Sick Elephant series ha has been really enjoyable recently. And I'm curious <laughs> if you knew that was going to happen or if it was just something that every day built upon itself or, or how did that come about? So what you're referring to is a series of comics that I've done uh, over the last couple of months. And really, it's been every comic for the last two months uh, or so has been a variation on the theme, check out my sick elephant, the phrase, check out my sick elephant, in, in some way or another. And um, the genesis of that, it was I was at a convention. I was at Gen Con in Indianapolis. And... Um, you know, I like to try and keep a schedule if I can. It's not always possible, but I like to try and do two comics a week. And um, in prep for the convention, I was, you know, just running a little bit behind. And so uh, we got to Indianapolis, me and my, my buddy Sam, uh, Sam Logan, who does a comic called Sam and Fuzzy. He and I are both from the West Coast, so we were both a little bit jet lagged. We, we were there at like 11 o'clock and not very tired. And I said, Sam, I have to do a comic tonight, or I'd like to do a comic tonight, but it has to be something simple because I am a little bit tired and we have to get up early. And I had my laptop and I was ready to do it. But, um, you know, and so with Wondermark, sometimes the idea comes first and sometimes the images come first. And I have that freedom because it's some, you know, working with found images. But if I, I come up with the idea first, it has to be something I can realize in a fairly um, 
like because I have to make it, I have to understand how to put it together if I'm gonna if I'm gonna plan to do a certain uh, idea or concept or joke. So I said, Sam, how do I? What's let's just brainstorm. We're both artists. We're both cartoonists. Like let's just brainstorm some jokes. And um, he said, well, what if you do one where it says check out my sick elephant? And then he just had some. He was just riffing on it, and it was not funny. And I said, okay. Well, what if it was this other thing instead? And after about 20 minutes of talking, we had about 10 sick elephant jokes. Uh-huh. And 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 the second through the 10th one were not funny if the, you didn't have, hear the first one. Right. You know, and so on. And then and, and we kept going because none of them were really that good. They were all fairly dumb. And it was like, <laughs> well, I'm, you know, are you sick, you know, rad or are you sick ill? Well, I'm sick, you know, psychotic or whatever. Yeah. And and so by the end of it, we finally land. We were very slap happy at the end of it, and then we finally landed on one that I thought was pretty good. It's like, okay, that's it. That's the one. So I did that one as the comic, and um, and then, you know, time marches on. You have to do another comic, and I thought, wait, what if I do like three or four more <laughs> okay. sick fun jokes? Because we had been now by now riffing on it like all weekend long, and I thought, what if we did a couple more sick elephant jokes? Like. I wonder if people would start to notice that this is just the same thing. <laughs> like, at what point would people like react to the idea that this is the exact same thing over and over? And then, uh, after I did two or three of them, I realized this is a very strange phrase. But like, all of these words have homonyms. You know, Czech could be you know Czechoslovakian or you know whatever. Right. And so you could structure this, and you could do. Um, you know, you could you could flip the order of the words and it would still kind of parse. And I thought, I wonder how many of these you could do. And I made a list of them and I got about 30 of them. And I said, wow, what if I did all of these? Would people have my head on a pike if I just kept doing this sick elephant thing? The idea of like the stepping on the rakes 40 times. Uh, and um, so I thought, well, you know what? Uh, the only thing that's 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 wrong about art is when you don't follow your heart. So I'm just going to do this because I think it's funny. <laughs> and so I just started doing and then each one is like progressively more obscure. I tried to structure them such that they got like, you know, they built on the on on, on the previous one. And it sort of became a game of like, how does the sick elephant relate to this particular comic that does not seem to have any sick elephants in it at, at, at the beginning or whatever. Mm. And then what what happened was that people did sort of notice and they were like what is happening in wondermark this is completely like because there are no storylines really except right. for may- maybe now and then there's like a there's like a like a two or three parter sure and uh and people were like what is going why is this like am i having a stroke like what's happening <laughs> and um and and i knew that there would be this like little fallow period of people being like I- i'm done with the sick elephants like i really am done with the sick elephants but if i could push through it yeah we would get to the promised land. And um, and so we started a storyline of like a particular elephant mm-hmm. that we're going to now follow his story. And he is going to, you know, do a couple adventures here. Um, and I realized I could I don't know if you have no, no, noticed this, but over the last 15 years of Wondermark, there's been about, I don't know, seven strips with elephants in them in the past. Mm. And they're all tying into this story. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going back and referencing all the past. El- they're all weaving into this continuity. The every time, elephant universe. Every time there was an elephant in Wondermark from the last 15 years, it's being referenced in this story. So and that's a little Easter egg. That's great. And uh, and so anyway, I, I figured it out now. There's there's five more left from now until we're <laughs> going to have the big conclusion, the big dramatic conclusion, because people are really like after my head at this point. 
Um, but if you want to start from the beginning, uh, you know what domain was available? SickElephant.com. Was it? Yeah. So if you go to SickElephant.com, it'll take you to the first uh, strip in the series, and you can read forward from there to see where we are. Which was a while ago because I lived in a different house when that started. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, it was in like <laughs> August. Um, and uh, like as it happens, it happened to also happen at a time like this series is is happening at a time when like between my kid and some other things, it's like I've been very busy. And also the strips are longer than usual. So they mm. take longer to make. So we're not actually moving through the, <laughs> the series as like rapidly as we might. Um, but we are we are closing in on it. And but I should also say people are very interested in the sick elephants. Um, it has nothing to do with the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter has no sick elephants no. in it. And that feels like a real missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, or a future how, opportunity, perhaps. Well, so what, what I did for people that started to grumble, I set up two uh, Google Forms. And they're linked on Wondermark. And one of them is like, put in your email and l- I'll let you know when the, this is over. Like, you don't have to check the website. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll ping you in That's like nice a couple weeks. And then they set up another form. It's like, I, I like the sick elephants. Like, and then I thought, well, maybe if I do some kind of book or something that's of the elephants, I'll have a little mailing list. Mm-hmm. And so I said, if you want more sick elephants, you put in, put your name into this list. And it's like, it's like five to one, a pro sick elephant. Yeah. So, as it should be. That's very, that's very reassuring. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Uh, David, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And folks, if you, if you didn't catch it, wondermark.com uh, for everything, uh, including the comic. And uh, if you want to go straight to the Kickstarter, wondermark.com slash book. David, David, thank you for joining us, and I hope you have a lovely feast of Saint Apostrophe. <laughs> thank you, Tom. I, I'm, I'm I'm glad that your calendar is uh, is cluing you in to all of the Wondermark specific holidays that exist throughout the year, folks. You're not you're not enjoying most of the year if you don't have a Wondermark calendar. I'm just saying. Thanks for joining us, too, and supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash DTNS is where you go to directly support Daily Tech News Show and keep it going and getting stronger. Thanks to everybody who supports us there. We'll talk to you soon. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.